from the ESPN 690 and Atari Living Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Can you be a good-looking man at 336 pounds? Of course, man. You can get a good man, good-looking man at any kind of weight. Evan Neal might be that guy. Yeah. You know, we think these offensive linemen is like these fat guys. Yeah. Not the case. No, he's, uh, I mean, like, I'm not sure what his body fat percentage is, but he looks pretty uh, lean yeah. for that size. I, mean, I might have more of a belly than Neil. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. I weigh 140 pounds less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was impressive. I mean, he's impressive, um, and that's why he's really probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, the other guy you played with, he wasn't this big, though, that it struck me how athletic he looked at the offensive line position okay. is um, uh, <laughs> Eugene Monroe. Monroe. Yeah, yeah, man. Yep. Eugene Monroe. Absolutely. I mean, he always, I was like, man, that looks like a, that's not the lineman that I pictured. What was Eugene? Eugene was probably like 6'5". Yeah, 6'4", 6'5". But he was like on the lighter well, side, right? No, there was, um, there was a whole stint where he like got super into like health and everything. Yeah. Um, and, like, he changed up his diet, and, like, that resulted in winning, like, 285. I think that was back in 12 or I 11. think you're right. Um, but you're I remember 300, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. And, and uh, Jack was really upset about that, so, like, he made Eugene gain the weight back, obviously. But, yeah, um, yeah I always said, like, if an offensive lineman got the cover men's health, it'd be Eugene Monroe for sure. Well, and uh, I think after his career, he did a lot of with the health stuff, too. But mm-hmm. uh, Evan Neal is 6'7". That's only two more inches mm-hmm. on... I mean, just think, you're, you're, you're 245, 6'6", six, six, so that's mm-hmm. like one more inch, and he's got 100 more pounds on his frame, basically. Yeah, it's wild, that's, man. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Really? And, and, and it looks good. That's my yeah. point. It's not like a lot of pizza and donuts. Yeah. Uh, I so, mean, no, we, we just see the side profile, and we see a front-on profile I saw well. the side. Yeah, I saw the side, too. Yeah. I mean, what, the, hey, that's, that's an Instagram I mean, maybe trick. Maybe it's Photoshop. You know what I'm no, I ain't saying that. I'm just saying side profiles, man. What is this, Instagram? You, you can do a lot of tricks with side profiles. I need to see the front-on profile. Yeah, well, you're not going to see him work out, so yeah. there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's pretty – I think everybody knew he'd be pretty impressive. My guess is in the room he's really impressive. Uh, I think the Alabama guys tend to be anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot to like about Evan Neal. Well, you know, I mean, listen, if Evan yeah. Neal's the top guy, and if Evan Neal, like, people are right, uh, and we're still way away, we're still two months away, if Evan Neal ends up in Jacksonville, that is not a bad thing. Let's just yeah. say that, right? Yeah. I mean, what it comes down to basically is if Evan Neal truly did weigh 360 or 370 when he played in college, and now he weighs what he weighs at, what was it, 337? Yeah, three th- yeah 337. 337. Um, you know, coaches love that. I mean, obviously, okay, it's he can carry the weight better, that's fine. But what coaches look for in that is the fact that he's a hard worker. Right, because he understood the assignment and saying, "All right, you you may be a little overweight to play the position. You know, can you play a full game? We probably want you to cut a, just a, a couple pounds, just because you know that's kind of the status quo these days for left tackles or right tackles alike. So that shows more than anything is that he's willing to you know do the assignment. He's, he's a hard worker, which yeah. is what you want yeah. at the combine. Absolutely, I think those things are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have all the gift and talent in the world, but are you going to? Do you want to be great? Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that'd be the number one question in those interviews. And everybody's going to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. But can you find out if that guy really wants to be great? It's it's one of the big things about paying people, mm-hmm. free agency, your own guys. Are they going to play to the level that they did? Are they going to be as hungry when they get paid? And by the way, 
Human nature is no. Yeah. If somebody handed me $45 million and I never had that kind of money, you're asking me to work just as hard mm-hmm. at, for the next five years as I worked the previous five? Yeah. I mean, that's not really realistic, is it? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it depends what the, what the priorities are. Well, exactly. You, know I mean? you, you have to try to figure that out. Famer, oh, for sure. Because yeah. everybody's going to lie to you and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to work as hard. Just give me the 45. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if money is the motive, um, I think some of that work ethic and um, so that motivation goes down the drain. Yeah. And then that's where the truly the greats are separated, where yeah, they can yeah. still work. Yeah. But I still think that's a hard thing because, you know, you're already talking about a 1% athlete. Well, now you're talking about even a bigger minority yeah. of people that would seriously still bust their butt yeah. after getting $45 million and had life all set. For sure. You know, and, and um, that's – now, listen, Evan Neal's not there yet. Evan Neal might get paid $25, $30 million, but he has a chance now. If there is a carrot for Neal in the first four or five years to be great, yeah. because if he's great, he might make $100 more million. Yeah. You know, so that there's, there's a little bit difference there. Um, so, anyway, Evan Neal and these offensive linemen continue to be a story, and they are a big story for the Jaguars at number one. I've come around a little bit on the, the offensive lineman talk, and, and mostly because – Scar tissue of I don't want the Jags getting this one wrong, and I think that might be the safest play for them from a conservative standpoint is getting a blockbuster guy on the offensive line, whether it's Iquanu or Neal. Mm-hmm. I've seen enough now and heard enough that both kind of get me excited, and I think both are going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know if this is Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel. Like, one is pretty good and the other out of the league in six years, mm-hmm. and even the pretty good is <clears throat> probably not number one overall pick kind of good. Yeah. Because that's kind of what Fisher was. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he definitely wasn't, like, Hall of Fame material good, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you look at if you want to pick uh, a, a left well, tackle or and, a tackle. And one would argue that Lane Johnson of that class is probably the best tackle That's a so good far. point. Yeah. yeah, and he was picked a little bit later on, I yeah. think six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. Uh, the other big story at the combine <laughs> continues to be hand size. Sure. Um, Nine-inch hands. Yeah. Not nails, but nine-inch hands. Yeah. Uh, continue is is kind of like that's a little small by NFL standard. Okay, uh, you know there are players like Russell Wilson, by the way, ten inch hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though he's a, not a big guy, Drew Brees had that. Uh, Drew Brees too. So I feel like we talk about this every year. Yeah, because I feel like we had the conversation with Kyler Murray a couple of years back. We did. Um, I think there was. A, I think this was a Teddy Bridgewater conversation as well, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. What's it remind Mike me Vick of, had eight and a half. Yeah, what's so that's an eight and a half guy, and he could let Mike it fly. Yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there, what was interesting is I think the um, the word out of the combine this week is that this is more of a media driven thing mm-hmm. and less of a scouts and and teams driven thing. Mm-hmm. Do you sense that too, or do you think teams really do have concern uh, over a measurable like that? And I guess I would ask like, why measure it then? If it's not really a big concern. Because it's the NFL combine, and you just want to see where every quarterback relates to every other quarterback, where every defensive lineman relates to every defensive lineman. All it is is just a measuring tool. Do I think teams put a lot of stake into hand size? I mean, I don't know. Joe Burrow was nine inches la- or a couple years ago, yeah. and he was the number one pick overall, and how'd that work out well for him? So, yeah. you know, the, 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 old, the latest and greatest example. The, the old school theory with hand size is the fact that the bigger hands you have, the, the stronger that you are. 
Um, and that's kind of always been the fabled reason why hand size is so important um, in NFL rooms. You know, I think, I mean, I'm not sure if they did like a sports science on this, but I don't think that's always true in terms of, like, if you have bigger hands, that means you're going to be stronger. Now, strength is important at the quarterback position. I think the ability to grip a football when it's raining is, is an important characteristic to have when you're a quarterback, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And, you know, social media being social media, I mean, people love to take that and run with it. So, I mean, is hand size important? It's immeasurable. On the hierarchy of where does that measurable rank within, you know, 40-yard dash times and shuttle, I mean, I think it's very, very down the list. I mean, I I wouldn't let hand size dictate if I'm going to draft somebody or not. I I would say this, and I don't, I think it's kind of a funny topic Mm -hmm. in a way. Um, but I, I can't deny this, uh, that when you have a guy that's on the bottom of the spectrum of that, in this case, Kenny Pickett, who has eight and a half size hands and, and the average in the NFL might be like nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's skewed another way. Well, then you're asking for him to have something else or do something else that that kind of covers that up and is better than the other half of the league. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that that has bigger hands in him. And I don't know what the measurable is. Maybe he's a little faster. Maybe he's a little smarter. Maybe he's better on the board. Maybe all these things. And so when you have a weakness, if that is a perceived weakness, well, then what can you do uh, to make up for it in a different way? I mean, that's just sports in general, whether measuring speed, arm strength, uh, or in this case, hand size. And while I do think it's a little bit of a laughable thing, I also don't want to be hypocritical with myself saying, you're looking for greatness when you draft in the first round. You're looking for greatness out of QBs okay. if you draft in the first round. When I think of the greatest players that I can think of that I've either met or or have done well in sports, one of my comments about them actually, Austin, is their hands are huge. Okay. Like I look at Pedro Martinez, man, who's not a big guy. He's a slight guy. He's like five foot ten, 145 pounds. Go look at his hands. Sure. And what he did to a baseball and strangled that thing. But but, but you get a sense that it makes a difference in baseball because the bigger the hands, the, I mean, you know, like a baseball can fit in your hand. Like right. a football Probably. is different. Yeah. You know, like you can't, I mean, you're not going to have your, your whole hand go around the football. No, but I would say, like, look at the Bradys. Uh, I go back to a guy I met and, and grew up watching all the time is Marino. Okay. And, and it's noticeable. That right. these guys have like monster hands, they really do. Like a big, I mean, my my favorite one now. He's seven foot one tall. Is Artis Gilmore's got the hardest handshake ever, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got massive hands, right? So basketball players, you would figure as well. Most of them are on the tall side, probably have, you know, big hands. So I I'm just again, I mean, this is a lot on uh, on hand talk, but I'm not sure it's as dismissive as some are making it around the combine this week as well. I don't think it should send Kenny Pickett into the third round and he's ever going to be able to complete a pass in the NFL. No, correct. Uh, but I, I do think it's an interesting note that he is, has a lot smaller hands than most of the average quarterbacks do in the NFL. I think there's something slight to it at the very least. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, to me, it depends. What what does that mean? You know, like, okay, so... You know, Marino, Brady, they had big hands. I mean, can Pickett have big hands? Like, to me, you have to give me more concrete evidence of why that's a big deal. And I'm not sure any NFL team can do that. Like I said, I mean, Mike Vick had eight and a half. And yeah. I'm, I'm not sure like, when, that's a good when, answer. when that was announced, um, if people had an issue with that. And this was a dual threat guy, obviously, who liked to run with the football. Yeah. You know, and this was a guy who I think was respected for having a very strong arm. And played in some so, tough weather in Philly. Yeah, yeah of course. So, 
I mean, unless you can bring me some sort of concrete evidence and say this is why it sucks to have small hands if you're a quarterback in the NFL, I think people overblow it. Yeah, I, I and I would say that too. And I, I think it was interesting coming out of the combine. This is the first time I remember. Now maybe some other people had said it. Is that basically the personnel people are like that's a media driven thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the scouts aren't really like that uh, wrapped up in it. But then I do say I'm like, okay, then why are you measuring it for it? Other than everything's measured. But, it, yeah, yeah. It gets me thinking. What other, what other measurables that we kind of go crazy about don't matter in sports, mm-hmm. or don't always matter? Like mm-hmm. if the guy and and. Here's one for you. Like, I think the combine's full of this stuff. Oh yeah. I think the combine. Somebody told me a story one time. I can't remember who it was, but like about Phil Hanson. Remember he was a pass rush for the Buffalo Bills, and they, like he did like nothing on the 225 bench. Mm-hmm. Like it was, I don't know what they were, but it was like relative to everybody else, it was nothing. But the guy grew up like throwing bales of hay on a farm, mm-hmm. and he would just throw people out of the way. Mm-hmm. He was just country man strong, <laughs> and it didn't matter that he couldn't. Do 25 reps on the two. So I was like, in that instance, well, that's a stupid measurable. Well, so they use that measurable of the bench press because they want to see who's who lives in the weight room or not. Because the theory is, is that if you stay with the weight program and you follow the protocols of what your strength coaches have put out for you, then you know if you're a, a defensive lineman or offensive lineman, I think the 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 ground average is you should be able to lift at least 225 20 times. That states that you followed the programs, you never slacked off in terms of the weight room. If you get below that as a, as a guy in the trenches, then that means that you maybe took some days off. Yeah, that makes sense. More, yeah. So it's more about, yeah, a little bit more about work ethic, too. No, that's, that's, right. to me, that's, that's all it is. Because, I mean, I, I played with a guy by the name of Steven Paya, who I think still holds the record of 225 with 49 reps. And, and I've seen this guy, you know, during the offseason, I, I worked out with him. And it was absolutely ridiculous of just how strong that guy was. Now, in terms of, of strength and using it in the football field, I mean, he was a great player. I think he might have been a first or second round, I think second round pick um, by Chicago out of Oregon State. But, like, he wasn't the most dominant, you know, defensive tackle out there. Um, because, you know, there's weight room strength and then there's football strength, yeah. right? Like, I'm that's not sure. That's the Hanson story, too. Exactly. I'm not sure, like, what Aaron Donald bench pressed at 225, but I think it's safe to say Aaron Donald might be the strongest um, defensive lineman in the league right now. Just, just watch how the guy plays. I'm not sure what his bench press He probably benched pretty good, too. He looks like it. Um, I mean, I hope so. He's, he's, he's got shorter <laughs> arms, I feel like. But, no, to me, the, 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 the bench press drill is all about just saying, you know, seeing who's, like, the, the workout warriors and who's the guy that maybe kind of slacks off a little bit. Yeah, and I hear you. Uh, the, listen, I I think there's a you could make the case that the 40 is an overrated time especially now because everybody runs 4-4 yeah and i mean is there really that everybody is fast now mm. like the world is fast the athlete is fast faster than they've ever been more of them that are fast and the two best receivers in the nfl you can make the case aren't really that fast yeah Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams are not Blazers. Yeah, and neither is DeAndre Hopkins, too. Yeah, and now there are room for, there's room for Blazers. There's Tyreek Hill who changes games, right? So there's certainly that element. But, I mean, these two guys that have mastered the position, essentially, right now in the NFL, you, that's why Cooper Cup, oh, one of the reasons Cooper Cup was a third-round pick. Yeah. Right? No, absolutely. I mean, you know, to me, it's all about the, the route running. That's, that's, that's what it is. And then everything is secondary. By the way, Aaron Donald, 225, 35 times. So, 35. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe. Yeah, actually, I feel like I've seen some video of him in the weight room, and it's pretty crazy. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think in, in terms of the 40-yard dash, it's definitely more of a sexy thing for the skill guys, right? Like, I mean, every once in a while you have a freak of nature who's an edge rusher who runs a 4-5, and it's like, well, then you got to take a look at this guy. Because yeah. if, if he can yeah. run a 40-yard dash in, you know, 4.5 seconds, that probably means that his 10-yard get-off is just as good, you know? So, like, that's where that comes into play. So, I mean, the, it does kind of show athleticism a little bit um, and just a, overall body, I guess, development of just how developed you are. But, yeah, it is a little overblown in terms of, well, this receiver ran a 4 or 5, 4 or 6. It's not going to amount to anything. Yeah, I mean, the Wonderlick t- test is going um, extinct anyway. So that's another that example of to, it, yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. another example. Like yeah. uh, these tests that everybody puts so much weight in or has at times. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, what does it mean? And, and uh, I wonder where we are 10, 15 years. We've, we've said the shuttle, is the shuttle run more important, the cone drill more important, depending on what position. I'll bring this to other sports. I mean, I always think it's laughable, really, like, in baseball, like the kids that are all going through stuff and whether it's like perfect game or whatever, everybody measures like 60-yard dash. It's like there's one position where you run like that long mm-hmm. in in baseball, and that's like if you're in center field to yeah. get to that kind of speed. Now, speed, speed, so you got to need – but I just don't – like a 60-yard dash in, in baseball doesn't tell the story. Mm-hmm. Doesn't tell if you can hit. Doesn't tell if you can feel. Doesn't tell if you have instinct. Doesn't tell anything. And so – I've always been curious about that one. Like, I don't understand why that's one of the, like, four measurables, like, at tryouts in, in really in big-time baseball all across the country right now. Some people might disagree with me, but I don't think it makes a lot of sense. What's interesting in, like, the NBA is you're seeing two of the best players in the game right now, two of the most entertaining definitely in the game, mm-hmm. John Morant and Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. And I, I can only guess what those guys' measurables were. Yeah, but vertical. Well, see, they're different though. It, Jaws vertical is insane. might be in the forties. Oh, true, he's at like yeah. the top of the backboard. Yeah, yeah. So his vertical is insane. I mean, Steph Curry is not really knocking you off with, I think, athleticism, um, per se. But yeah, I think Jaws got speed and athleticism. I don't even know what him. do they like. I don't know in football. Like I know some stuff in baseball, but I don't, in basketball, like For in the, the combines? NBA combines, like what do they look at? Is a, it, a vertical? Wingspan? W- wingspan is okay. huge. Yeah. Uh, That's Because that means about defense and stuff. That's and, a good one. Um, I think, like, lateral movement is, is huge for yeah. defense more, again. But. See, I've always thought, like, uh, yeah, like you're talking, even the NFL cornerbacks, right, that lateral movement, <laughs> hip movement, all that stuff. I, I've i loved, I I don't know if it's an overrated thing or, or an underrated thing, but the wingspan and the catch radius mm-hmm. for a receiver, to me, should be a higher measurable. Mm-hmm. It should be more impactful. Like, I think that's huge. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, they've had some crazy numbers on people. But I remember a guy like Justin Blackman, I think, had a great catch radius. Sure, yeah. Like, I think it relates to pretty good players if you have that. I would say so. You know? Yeah. Um, so, anyway, eight and a half size hands. Kenny Pickett still going the first round? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's going to be the deal breaker. All right. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. More from the Combine. Big day for the offensive line. And that's where the Jags could go with that number one overall pick. We'll be back here on a Thursday. Well, on the inside, everything just happens faster. So your reaction time has to be different. You know, you pretty much have to set and throw your hands like right now. But at tackle, you have to have more patience. And the set angles are different for sure. You kind of just got to gauge it and, you know, uh, feel it out for sure. And it kind of depends on the guy that I'm going up against. Uh, if I feel like it's a guy that a, a guy that's really, really good with his hands, he's going to knock him down. I have to be more patient with my punch and be better with timing it up. Is that Evan Neal? It is. Get used to that voice. Oh, yeah? Maybe. Do you know something? 
No. Okay. Not enough. Not that kind of money in the Venmo. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to earn that, some of that trust, don't you? What's that? So you still have to earn some of that trust. Uh, I yeah, I don't trust yeah. anybody. I got you. <laughs> not after the last two months? No. I trust nobody. No, man. <laughs> yeah. Not even, not even close. Hey, did you write that apology? Uh, no, not yet. All right. Right. I got it coming. We'll be, we'll be waiting. Maybe it's uh, during uh, after right after NBA Slam Poetry. Ooh, I like that. Um, Brent Martin, awesome like Brian Middleton here on a Thursday. NFL Combine continues. Now it gets fun. Everybody works out, talks. Not everybody works out. Not more, really, more yeah. people not working not out. People, people working just out. walking around Indianapolis, quite frankly. Did you see the Malik Willis thing? That was really cool. That was really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gave some of his good gear, right? Yeah, Just gave somebody someone a need. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was a homeless person or yeah. somebody was asking for some. Yeah, it looked, it looked like somebody that was in need, and you know, I don't think he even knew he was being recorded. Obviously, but nah, someone was, yeah. happened to you know was having lunch and um, saw a guy rocking a combine you know outfit, helping out this. I think it appears to be a homeless person, and um, yeah, Malik Willis was kind of going into a suitcase and giving out some clothes and stuff. Yeah. So it was a really cool scene. Really you know what's funny is when you walk around, we, we were walking around obviously Monday and Tuesday in Indianapolis, and you see the guys like in their gear. Yeah. Like they're just, because they're going from meeting to meeting. So even when they go outside the convention center and they go grab something to eat or wherever, and everybody's got like, so, so we walked by, I think it was an Indiana tight end. I don't even know his name. Okay. And uh, I think it was from Indiana. And so all we saw it said like, Tight end, eight, and ah, shoot, Stuart, remember, it said something else, I thought. Sure, sure, yeah, and, yeah. And so they're all labeled, like their clothes obviously are labeled for when they do work out or yeah. when they go wherever, and, but it's just it kind of funny. It didn't say name. No, it didn't yeah, say I mean, the name. I still have and my so, stuff, too. So Stuart, it doesn't fit me anymore, so unfortunately. So we're walking down the street, and Stuart basically like, hey, that's so-and-so from Indiana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah like tight end number eight. <laughs> Brian, you got some combine gear? <laughs> Because, I mean, it's like 3X because it's back when I was like 280 and you know, it doesn't I'll fit me anymore. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it for you, man. Got to look official around here. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. You still have it. I still have it. Yeah, I mean, you wore it one time, right? So. I, wore, I'm not, I wore one. I, mean, I had to wear it a couple times, bro. Oh, you know, I was wearing it to the clubs and stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was in the combine. You know, I was one of whatever, 250-something, I think it was. No, no, I don't think it was Fry Fogel, Glenn. I don't think it was him. Isn't uh, he a receiver anyway? Uh, but. Or is he going out as tight end? I mean, he, I thought he was a receiver at Indiana, but yeah. it might not have been Indiana, to be honest with you. I forget what school it was for. Uh, look up tight end eight, and, okay. and you'll find that's who it was. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was eight. <laughs> so just like it's an odd, it's a wild scene there. Yeah. That, and by the way, in Indianapolis, they also have like the Big Ten women's uh, basketball tournament starting up this week. Sure. There's always something going on in Indianapolis. Yeah. But yet it feels like it's so quiet, mm -hmm. too. It's an it's odd thing in Indy. Uh, with in regards to that the Malik Willis thing, it raised. I um, I think about this sometimes, and maybe it's because I've I've covered it for twenty years now. I've covered it really close, obviously here in Jacksonville in terms of the NFL, but covered a lot of pro sports and athletes, um, and even collegiate athletes. I feel like there are more. It's a good way to say this. I'm, I'm trying not to disrespect like a generation earlier. I feel like there are good... No, no, no. I mean, okay. like, even before that. Okay. I feel like there are more good people, athletes, than ever before. <laughs> Meaning... Like, good... Like, kind-hearted? Yeah. Like, 
and I think a sense of this is, I'm not saying like everybody else was jerks before, but yeah. as you're going through this and the popularity of an athlete goes mm -hmm. up and up and up and up. Like, I mean, you go back 50 years, sure, there's popularity of an athlete, but it wasn't like today's day and age where you got social media, the influence, yeah. all eyes on you, the all of that stuff. Sure. And so I think there's... Like, you could probably get away with being a jerk in some settings, right? I'm not sure if you can get yeah. away with anything anymore. True. And so I think these kids that are now 20, 21, 22, 23, whatever it is, have grown up in that, mm. knowing that you might be recruited now coming out of eighth grade and mm. ninth grade. So you're recruited earlier than before. There are coaches influencing you, telling you, hey, watch what you're doing on social media. Watch what you're doing in the classroom. Watch how you're acting in school. All this stuff can affect you, impact you. There's a lot of competition. And so what I think that that has bred mm -hmm. is an athlete that understands their place, matures quicker, and knows all eyes on them, and there's a responsibility of being a big-time athlete. And whether deep down they're all better people or not, I don't know. Yeah. But I feel like... I feel like there are there are less knuckleheads. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be some. But I feel like there are less knuckleheads, even though we also live in a world that most people would say, anybody listening to this would be like, it's an entitled generation. Yeah. So it's a really interesting dynamic. And I don't know if I'm correct here. I'm just giving you, like, my feel that Malik Willis is not, like, this one-off guy. Do it Like, I think that's today's athlete. I think that's today's young man, that young woman. I think they know their place, their impact and their influence on people. Yeah, I mean, I think it's bigger than athletics. I just think it's definitely a generational thing. I mean, two examples that I like to go back to um, is probably five years ago, six years ago, I went to go talk um, to, at the time, a bunch of high schoolers at my, my former high school, uh, my former high school, and uh, I kind of gave them just like a, a little, you know, training camp pep talk and stuff and, um, you know, got them motivated. And, like, talking to those guys in that locker room, I was like, wow, you, you guys really seem to have it together in terms of priorities, in terms of respect and all that stuff. Because I remember being in high school, not to say like I was a, a wild child by any means, but like, the, you know, we, we all kind of had a, a, a crazier side to us. You know, we're football players and we're a small town, so you find things to do for fun. You didn't get that sense with the kids that I talked to. And then when I went back for homecoming at Murray State a couple years ago, um, I had this conversation with one of my academic advisors, and we got into it. He's like, man, you, I remember your class. You guys were always out, like, after the game partying and then stuff and having a good time. I'm like, well, yeah, man. Like, it was f f football was stressful, and, you know, you had to decompress a little bit, and we went out to the bars and everything. He's like, yeah, you know what's wild is kids don't really do that anymore. Like, the, like, like the, the bars at Murray State or, like, the you know, like no one, they don't really go out anymore. They, they kind of just stay in and um, are kind of left to their own devices. So, you know, that was two examples to me that, that kind of showed that, you know, I think with this up-and-coming generation now, these these college kids and everything, like, number one, I think they're more self-aware than ever before. But number two, receipts are everywhere. You know, like, what you do, what you say um, can always be used against you, it seems like. And, and I didn't really have to worry about that back when, I mean, now, it was, I mean, people in my class and stuff who do say things on the Internet sometimes, it comes back, you know, 10 years after the fact. But for the most part, we never worried about it at the time. I think now that's always on the minds of, of college kids, uh, even high school kids alike. And if it's not on their mind, I think they're reminded about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know like those discussions take place. I know, I mean, my kids are in high school, so they take place uh, in our house. I, I think that, hey, people know uh, or are watching or might see or and it doesn't always, you know, it doesn't always mean it's going to work just because you say it either. I mean, 
uh, you're always working on stuff. But I think even coaches, too, and they're like even travel ball coaches or camps that they go to, like this message is passed on and on and on and on. Yeah. And again, that doesn't mean like you're not going to slip up and everything's perfect. Trust mm-hmm. me. Um, but I, I think that message is is issued more than ever before. And I think people have learned from a lot of different folks' mistakes from social media mm-hmm. that gets that people catch up on to seven or eight years later, yeah. right? Yep. And and keep those receipts, as you mentioned, to just the idea that these these young people now are living their life like basically in a reality show. Yeah. I mean, everything they but, do yeah. is going to be eventually seen or caught or, or whatever. No, for sure. But at the same time, too, How though, many secrets? I, no, there's not a lot of secrets at all. But I think like with any group, regardless of of the age and regardless of the generation, there's going to be good people and bad people. You know, I mean, I had Tim Tebow in my draft class. I also had Aaron Hernandez in my draft class. That's a good point. You know, so I think um, while I think the majority now has shifted more towards kind-hearted, I think there's always going to be the other, the, the latter, you know. So Aaron Hernandez was 2010 draft class. Oh, yeah. I remember, like, I never talked to him, but I remember him because it was him and Gronk in that draft class. I, I still think. I mean, if ESPN wants the thirty for thirty, that's the one I would like to work on. The T Bone Hernandez. Oh yeah. At just the the the, the polar opposite mm-hmm. from perception to reality to everything that was in the same locker room there mm-hmm. at Florida. I, I find that 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 to me could be the most fascinating if they could really get an uh, a, an in depth look at it and yeah. people would talk. About it. And someday I think that they'll be able to. But to me, that is like. Well, and obviously, guys have spent a lot of time together, right? Like, sure, sure. And Percy Harvin and guys have spent a lot of time together. Yeah, a lot of time. He's the quarterback and tight end. You're going to spend time together. And by the way, don't sleep on the fact that Aaron Hernandez and Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, this guy shared the locker room Mm -hmm. with two of the most popular figures of our sports life. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, to me, it goes to show you, though. You know, you got a job to do, and sometimes maybe that because I remember. I think it was Danny Amendola told a story about Aaron Hernandez in the locker room, how Aaron Hernandez kind of threatened him. I don't want to, I think it was Amendola, if I'm not mistaken, but, you know, they got a little altercation there. But it goes to show you, man, you got a job to do, you punch in the clock, and then, you know, who, who you are outside of it is who you are outside of it. And I think if you think about that, that's like that in any walk of life. Of course. Because right. think about it. The New England Patriots, who I feel like the gold standard is higher than any other team in the National Football League with Bill Belichick, right? So... One would assume that regardless of how good Aaron Hernandez was as a football player, if he was messing up in the locker room, if he was messing up or had an attitude, he would have been exposed by Bill Belichick. Like, I don't care how good you are. If, if you mess up bad enough, Bill Belichick will let you go. You know, and I didn't think it was ever to that point with Aaron Hernandez. No, but the one thing I always remember about that is the New England Patriots, the minute that came out, mm-hmm. they caught him. Oh, they got him, yeah. And, 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 yeah. and usually people will wait, see how stuff. No, that they knew. I mean, because you know, I mean, yeah. teams hear stuff, mm-hmm. and so whether they could find out, knew for a fact how long they knew, I don't know. But I mean, they got word before everybody got word that like um, this is a big deal, mm-hmm. right? There's no doubt because I remember that being. I can't believe how fast they got. He didn't even stand by him. Yeah, I mean, those were big time allegations at the time. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Hernandez. And, well, they did come out with something on Aaron Hernandez, didn't they? Didn't they just do? Oh, yeah. There, it, 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 like, there's, there's been a couple of things. Yeah. That, um, I think ESPN had one. Yeah, I think I watched like there's one a pod- or half pod- of those episodes. There's a podcast that was pretty popular with him. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's get Steven online real quick. Got a couple calls to get before the break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Let's get back to the Combine talk. What's up, man? Hey, how you guys doing today? We are good. 
Uh, I, I wanted to get your get your thoughts because the big uh, big thing is how Iquanu has climbed up the ropes with a lot of analysts. I mean, uh, I even read something on Twitter. Somebody posted the comparison for him, and I'm sure Austin knows, uh, is Jason Peters. Yeah. That's who he's compared to. And the difference between the two that I'm hearing is Iquanu is really an extremely aggressive. Like, he, his finish is perfect. He'll powerbomb you, whatever wrestling term you want to use, and kind of laugh at you. Like, he really wants to go into the game and hurt you to where Neil's more of the tactician, if you will. So, I mean, Austin, in your opinion, uh, like, what's the pros and cons of, like, the difference between those two besides maybe Neil being about three inches taller than Iquana? So are you talking about more from a mindset standpoint? Well, that and I guess overall technique, what are the pros and cons of being overly aggressive or just a straight-off technician? Okay, great great question. Um, So... See, it's funny because you're asking me because I'm going to answer this as the football player that, that I knew when I was in the game. And the, the scheme in the realm has changed now because back in the day, you wanted your right tackles to be aggressive, road graders, bad attitudes. Like Evan Britton, I always tell the story. I mean, Evan Britton, we got in fights every single day because of his mentality. The left tackle is a little more athletic, uh, you know, and a little more calculated. Now, that game has changed because the right tackle is just as important as um, the left tackle. So if you're asking me, like, where would it benefit? I think of a team like the Tennessee Titans, where they try to beat you at the line of scrimmage. I think the Baltimore Ravens is another classic example of trying to beat you at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, it, uh, of the past, it was the Buffalo Bills, but now they've kind of transgressed to a little more finesse with Josh Allen. But basically, I think that the benefits of being that road grader type is you're obviously going to set a tempo. You're, you're going to set a precedent. You're going to set an attitude for your offensive line, which I still believe in you have to have. Um, the downside of that is when you play with that much intensity, when you play you know, w- with your head down, as you know, a position coach would say, is that sometimes you're overly aggressive. And when you're overly aggressive, that's when the mistakes happen. And you don't want to be overly aggressive when you're on a pass set and you're going against a guy like, you know, I don't know, you know, like Von Miller or Rashawn Gary, whoever, TJ Watt, whoever the defensive end is, because that's where you get your quarterback hurt, right? So from a mentality, from an attitude, from a run blocking standpoint, that's what you want. I think of the best guy I ever went against in terms of left tackle, right tackle, and to me that's Joe Thomas. If you know Joe Thomas, he is anything but um, – an a-hole to play against you know i mean he was he was all he never pushed you after the whistle he was the definition of a tactician but in doing so it made it almost impossible to rush against him because you never knew it was coming he would change up his sets he would change up his hand placement he would punch you early he would punch you late like you just you never knew what joe thomas was going to give you because he was a cerebral assassin and I think, like, if you want to talk about the greats nowadays, I think you have to be more of a cerebral assassin than a, a guy that just relies on emotion and being a road grader. Now, if you're a combination of those two things, well, then now you're cooking with something, right? And, and some of those guys are. I think Tristan Wirfs uh, is a prime example of a guy who has a little bit of both. But if you're asking me what I would go with um, one above the other, I'm taking being a tactician all day. Interesting. Uh, I would say this. The thing that I like about both these guys that are, that are highly rated is, uh, well, first of all, if you check out the stats and you can dominate the college level, it's good. But especially a guy like Neil, he has a ton of experience. I think it's 41 games for him. Yeah. And you know that's against everybody's best shot, against really good teams. Look what he did against Georgia, I think, in the SEC championship game it was. That's a heck of a tape uh, to put on, I believe. So, 
Laquando to me doesn't have as much of that in Neil, and I think that will hurt him. So you got to project a little bit more. I mean, he's got good stuff, but I'm just not sure he's gonna. You you're playing at Alabama against top teams all the time, getting everybody's best. And I think when you play, I think it was like 41 games. I said, um, well, that's a lot on tape. That's something to buy into. That's pretty concrete. Like if you're making a number one pick and you're making a high investment, like I want to. I feel like I'm buying into that a little bit more, especially if guys are um, similar. Not to say like, I mean, there's experience with Aquanu too, and I think the athleticism for both, as big as those guys are, is is paramount. And and what's got them, in some respects, the two best players in the draft. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure the Jags could miss on those two guys. Yeah, they might might be able to take either one, whatever one they think fits. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like with Walker Little in play here, I feel like Neil fits because of his ability to play the right side too. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But, like, is, is it hard to justify taking a number one overall pick and put him at right tackle? I don't know, but we would say that, but then this is why I don't mind the Jags thinking outside the box and, and coming right back with Tristan Wirfs and what a difference he made. Tristan Wirfs yeah, being they, number one or number 11 in, in that draft, you would you would buy either but one. They, but they had a left tackle already for there when Tristan Wirfs was going there. Well, I think if they, if they move it into right, they think they have a left tackle and, and Walker Little. But we don't know. No, that's the, fair. because the sample size says nothing. Yeah, I mean, and if games. he's not, then they move him back. Then they move him. So they got yeah. they have flexibility. Yeah, that point. yeah. Um, I think Austin, like people have thrown out guard, that's not in play here. But I think they might believe that Neil can play both at a Pro Bowl Neil? Yeah. Gar- no, 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 no. I'm Le- saying yeah. right tackle or left tackle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, you throw you. guard. No, we're not. No, no. But left tackle, right tackle. I think they might feel like he can play both positions yeah. at a Pro Bowl level. Yeah, which I'd seems to play the. The one, the one that I, he's I, great I at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's I know that's you like know. the catch. To me, yeah. that's the catch on all this stuff with the offensive line. And where does Walker Little fit in there, um, in my opinion? Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. There's a different technique. You know, basically you have to just the same thing just on the other side. That's the way I look at it. The players are the same. The footwork's the same. The body mechanics of it all, you know, uh, Opposed to kicking with your left foot, you kick them with your right foot. Opposed to taking your first step with your inside foot, you may take your first step with your outside foot. So it's really pretty much the same thing, in my opinion. You know, you may be, you may go against the best pass rushers on the left side because most guys line up their best pass rusher on that side. But other than that, for me, you know, for how I process it, tackles pretty much tackle. Yeah, I felt pretty comfortable at both before. You sure. do. I definitely like uh, left tackle, definitely. You, you like left tackle better. Yeah, and I feel like the fact that I moved around in Alabama so much, I never really had a chance to really just settle in on a spot for sure. So right. I decided to do that on the next level. Yeah, he did a pretty good job not settling in. That's yeah. Evan Neal. I tell you, it's nice to when a guy's comfortable like that mm-hmm. to be able to and He made it seem like, hey, I could do either one, right? But, but he's he, not going to lie and say, well, no, I'm a left tackle only. Yeah. Like, no one's going to say that. Yeah, but he didn't look like he was dancing around it either. And then he and then he did finish with, hey, I'd like to settle into one, and I like yeah. the left side better. Yeah. So that's cool. That's where the money's at. Of course you do. Yeah. I, pr- I respect uh, tell that. You, there's big money. Again, the right tackle has increased in value. Yeah, but ask Orlando Brown about that. Yeah. Still a difference. Oh, listen, guys like JJ Watt like changed the game, or something. right? Yeah, because they're going to move around, and they, they, you need them on the right. And so, yeah. um, it's uh, it'll be interesting. I'm fascinated in how that part plays out potentially with the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, it's our first ever back breaking, neck aching, 904 chiropractic and injury center play of the week, and I'm going to your Badgers for it. Okay. All right. Uh, bank's always open. Yeah, how about yeah, it? Man. The bank's open for Chucky Hepburn. Yes. 
And so Chucky beats Purdue, who I think is very good. Yeah. Wisconsin didn't realize was creeping into that top 12. Oh, they're good, Brent. The other yeah. night, they, they went on the bank shot yep. by Chucky. And how about this? Big 10 champs for Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. After all the stuff with Michigan. And uh, this is the day and age we're in now. Okay. And I actually think this is cool. Hepburn has memorialized the shot with shirts and his name, image, and likeness deal with something called the player's trunk. And it's dubbed the Chucky Special. <laughs> so you can buy the shirt for $29.99 and sweatshirts are available for $49.99, which you might need in Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, isn't that great stuff? Like, oh, you guys going to make money off his moment. Boom, you just should. like that. You absolutely should. That's the that's the power of the free market. I love it. That is pretty cool. That is our uh, back-breaking, neck-aching play of the week. Neck-aching and back-breaking for Purdue. Wisconsin ends up getting it done. You can get it done at 904 Chiropractic and Injury Center as well. I got an adjustment there just last week. Go see Rhett and the folks over there. Really nice people. Uh, massage therapy. It doesn't matter where you are in town. 904 Chiropractic and Injury Center is near you on the south side in St. Augustine as well. And the newest location on the west side. If you've had personal injury due to an accident, look up 904chiro.com. It's 904chiro.com. They will take care of you. Injury prevention as well. And that gets us into March Madness for a moment. Because I'm thinking to myself, I'm watching that game. Providence lost to Villanova, and you know my Friars are doing really well. Mm -hmm. uh, But they lost by two, two close games to Villanova. Providence plays like a close game every night. Sure. And I just can't help but think of some of the games that I watched over the last couple months. And I'm not going to tell you I was locked in, but some of the teams that are out there. I mean, UCLA has now dipped into the teens, like 15, 16, 17, somewhere like that in the rankings. I feel like this is going to be a heck of a tournament, man. Yes. I, I feel like this is a wide open, no dominant team. Everybody has vulnerabilities, but a lot of teams have the abilities mm-hmm. to win the whole thing. This could be a fantastic NCAA tournament now that we've hit March. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, um, I mean, Gonzaga still looks like they're, they're pretty dumb. Because, like, I always say if you have one of the best players in the country or the best player in the country – you should go far. You should at least go to a, you know, a Sweet 16 Doesn't and an Elite 8. Doesn't always work like that, but usually that's the way. And you have Auburn and Gonzaga, who arguably have the, the best players in the country, so they make a lot of sense. But you're right. I mean, a lot of storylines. Duke, you know, it's kind of the, the, the last dance for Coach Roszewski. You know, can they make a run at it? They're doing pretty well this year. Um, you know, and then you kind of have your dark horses, like a Providence, like a Murray State. Like you Wisconsin. Know, like Wisconsin. So... I'm excited for March Madness, man. I can't wait. Houston's like, actually really good, too. I mean, listen, I like, I really do like Purdue. I think Purdue's a really good team. Yeah. And I've watched them a couple of times. And, I mean, we've had crazy upsets. Uh, it looks like Florida State won't make the tournament. They got a big win. Uh, they have to, like, run the table. Florida is probably going to sneak in. I don't really think they're that good. The SEC is deeper than they usually are. Yeah. They have a, Arkansas is getting hot right now or has the last couple of weeks. There's a lot of storylines in college basketball, which are always storylines. But I'm not sure there's this depth of, seriously, might be 15, 16 teams that could, you could make the case, could make a run. No, you're not lying. Like, they've had Providence on the four line at times this year. Yep. And, I mean, on the four line, I think Providence is a little bit overrated, to be honest with you, because they've won a lot of close games. Yep. But they still have, like, three losses all year. It's impressive. And they were on the four line. It's impressive. I think they're now on the three line. So we'll see. 
You, you got two more weeks to get on the K.J. Williams bandwagon before I close that thing down and we leave the station. So if you all want the K.J. Williams bandwagon of Murray State, get on him now because it's not going to be like another John Morant where he has a bunch of highlights. People want to be John Morant fans. I told you about him last year. All right, so get on the bandwagon if you want. By the way, we're a couple weeks away from the bracket coming out. You can play against us and you mm-hmm. can play against everybody. And There's like big prize on the line, so make sure you tune into ESPN 690 and on ESPN690.com. We're going to have a lot of fun with the brackets this year, but you got to enter and get ready for it and sign up and be a part of it each and every day as we get closer and closer to the NCAA tournament. Let's take a break. Four o'clock hour coming up. We're going to go talk a little high school hoops with a local legend who's now got his team in a state championship game. It's on the way on ESPN 690. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.